On today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers were absolutely dreadful in Game 3 against the Knicks, and it sets up a pivotal, huge, must-win Game 4 on Sunday. We'll talk about that and every angle of Cleveland's Game 3 loss on a new episode of Locked On Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA for outlets like SB Nation, Cleveland Magazine, Forbes, and more. That man over there is Evan Damerell, the founder of independent site Right.Nuclid, which covers the entire Cleveland sports scene. As always, we have Jake Stevens producing. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also want to remind you that the Cavs play the Knicks uh, on game, in Game 4 on Sunday at 1 p.m. Uh, kind of a must-win for Cleveland. You can catch every moment of Cavs, the Cavs' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the XXSXM app. Search Cavs to do that. Cavs lose Game 3 in New York, go on the road, lose 99-79 to in a very dreadful basketball <sighs> game. There is a lot you can get into about a lot that goes wrong. Evan, here's where I start. I, I think there's there's no there's no part of this game that is redeeming. There's no part of this game that I think is is looks good on the Cavs. Nothing. There is not one positive thing that I think you can take away from this if you're the Cavs. I, I think some of the offensive process stuff to kind of walk my own comment back, I would feel okay about. But the execution, the effort level a lot of the time, the performances from a lot of your best players, including Darius Garland, including Donovan Mitchell everything nothing worked and the Knicks kicked your butt and now you're staring down after losing game one at home in in a in a similar-ish fashion you have to win game four on Sunday in New York if you want to make this a series you although any momentum you had out of game two is now gone if you're the Cavs oh it's absolutely gone um I, I hope we still dish out our awards because I do have an MVP for this game um but the Cavs were just suboptimal, to say the least, in this game. Um, sure, there's a lot of pressure that you could hear in the Madison Square Garden crowd from whatever broadcast you were watching or listening to this from. And it was loud. It was raucous. Uh, certainly matched the intensity of Game 2 at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and maybe even amplified it by a considerable amount, too. And the Cavs just did not come up to show up to play it, it is is not even similar to game one in that aspect or even donovan mitchell had a good game in that game donovan mitchell had a bad game in this game overall too just turning over the ball so much and just kind of being careless with the ball in his hands new york made a few adjustments just to kind of read what cleveland was doing on just predicating and trying to find easy looks at the basket based off their passing and playmaking and breaking down the defense you could notice that um i think jb pickerstaff changing the rotation and playing Karis LeVert in the starting lineup and giving Ricky Rubio some minutes was certainly questionable. It, it felt like the Cavs just kind of course corrected a little too much into this game, maybe expecting a, like a dramatic shift from New York or something. And the Knicks rolled out their usual lineup and just Tom Thibodeau did the right things and made sure he had the right calls, the right rotation set in place. And 
Yeah, to your point exactly. Um, game four is a must win for Cleveland, or there is a ton of pressure heading back to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse on Wednesday to win that game. And then you have to win one in New York, which Cleveland has not won at Madison Square Garden this season. And then somehow, some way, win game seven as well. Like the Cavs are putting themselves in a bit of a hole. Um, again, morbidly curious to see how this team shows up on Sunday uh, during that matinee game at 1 p.m. But Right now, like, I don't feel optimistic about Cleveland's chances uh, just going forward for the remainder of the series because this game doesn't give you a lot to feel positive about going forward. I I think to start with the starting lineup decision, I, I... Like, I understand that game two was in part because Carrizover played awesome. He made shots. The the guard-on-guard screening unlocked some things for the Cleveland offense to get Jalen Brunson in the actions. But what the Knicks did was say, okay, we're just going to have Jalen Brunson guarding Darius Garland. And there was parts of that early where it's like, okay, you can see how Darius Garland is going to get some clean looks. You can see how Darius Garland is going to have some room to operate here. But then it kind of evolves and it's like, oh, like you're kind of not spamming pick and roll in the way you might want to to go at Brunson, the guard screening stuff. Like you're not going to use Quentin Grimes's man to like come over and ball screen for your guy. Like what? Like you're not going to you Brunson is the one you want to attack. And like you kind of like took any of the mm-hmm. you kind of took some of that out of your, the energy out of your offense in that way. And. Like, I get, I understand, like, why I can understand, like, talking through the liver thing and saying, okay, we need to do this. I understand that, like, like that working game, too. And, like, that has been the lineup that has kind of looked the, maybe the best in the small sample size of this series. But mm-hmm. Karis Levert had started a game with Darius and Donovan twice since November. You were really betting on you just figuring this out and everything running back the same. And I almost think they took it too far and just, like, overthought it. In, in terms of it's like, I think you could have just come back to that. And it would have been there with your kind of normal flow, the normal rhythm, instead of being just kind of f- trying to force it from the get go when the Knicks kind of had said, dared you to beat you another way. And then you just elected not to like they, they, you overthought it. The Knicks did not. And the Knicks won that adjustment battle as a result. Mm-hmm. It felt like precisely. Uh, you and I talked about this after game two, just with how well Karis Levert played and Isaac Okoro only playing a little less than three minutes in game two, and we're like, oh, should they put Karis LeVert in? And you and I both agree that, no, the Cavs have a pretty good thing going. You don't want to mess up a good thing or try to fix something that isn't broken, at least heading into game three, where you have Karis LeVert coming off the bench. You can get him acclimated maybe against some of New York's bench players, uh, maybe feed off Mitchell or Garland, who's a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more hot out there at that time. And also just because Isaac Okoro is Cleveland's best point of attack defender, and he may not give you a lot offensively. I mean, I think he had half of Cleveland's bench points overall tonight, but regardless, um, Okoro at least is strong enough and solid enough and trustworthy enough to defend Jalen Brunson to start the game and maybe not let Brunson get that momentum because a huge thing for Cleveland was they made New York uncomfortable on every possession because they dialed up the pressure and intensity on Jalen Brunson. And to your point, like the Cavs exploited that matchup quite a bit and they're just like, okay, New York can do whatever they want with like Jalen Brunson on Darius Garland on offensive possessions and things like that. But like on defense, we need to make him uncomfortable, rough him up a little bit, force the refs to call us out on us playing too physically on him. And they didn't. And Cleveland took that to their advantage. But it was just a domino effect on everything. Like I, I, I agree. I understand the thought process behind 
putting Levert in the starting lineup, you're heading into a very hostile environment with a team that doesn't have a good road record, with a team that has never won in the Garden this season. And maybe you just think, okay, this will give us enough of an offensive spark to just like get us ahead of maybe a lot of the noise and stuff that we can control, and then just ride that momentum and maybe ride that front and just somehow, some way, find a win to win a way to win Game Three because you're a defensive first team. But the Cavs just got sucker punched by the Knicks right away. It feels similar to game one in that regard, but like it had a domino effect. Evan Mobley was shaky. Jared Allen was getting bullied by Mitchell Robinson at points. Like this was just a bad game across the board for the Cavs. And like, you could say, Oh, we'll go back look at the film, say we're fine. But I don't know if there's anything really positive to pull from this besides my MVP pick. We they're telling you about the awards. I like we're doing them. I know you said you weren't sure for doing them. We're doing them because they're they're in the document, so we're gonna do them. The, the other like, there's no one that is worth uh, MVP in this game. And like, I maybe the best example is if we we're gonna go an anti MVP. Like you might you I think you'd have to give it to Darius Garland. Like he had one. He he comes off mm. this amazing game too. Just like a like I wrote a story yeah. that he had arrived. Like and that was one of the big themes coming out of that game. And then what happened to this game is 1 of 12 from the field in the first half. His final stat line in 32 minutes is 4 of 21 from the field. He is 1 of 7 from 3, 1 of 3 from the line, 3 assists, 4 steals, 3 turnovers, 10 points, Tuesday, minus 21. Darius Garland was objectively bad. There's a ton of, ton of things he just did wrong. What? Oh. What? This is a nightmare game for Darius Garland, but I feel like we could talk about a lot of this in segment 3 because... I was saying a lot of the same things whether it was on radio or just like Knicks fan TV. I'm like, this is Garland's coming out party. This is him saying like, hey, I have arrived, as you would say. And he fell flat on his face. And I, I wonder if he can respond in game four and maybe the Cavs can take some of the what worked in game two to get Garland maybe going a little bit because in order for the Cavs to win this series, you need Mitchell and Garland working in harmony with one another. And clearly it didn't happen in game three for either of these players. So I'm curious to see what happens in game four. So how about we talk about that at length in uh, the final segment of the show? We're going to, well, where I was going was we're going to, we're going to tease it up for segment two. Okay. I want to, we're going to talk about this in more detail as the fact that there is no MVP for this game. Um, want to tell you real quick, uh, as a reminder, we have a subtext now. You can check that out, subscribe, get them one month free trial. The link if you want to hear from us directly and get your mailbag questions and priority, see how we make the show, all that stuff, you can subscribe. The link is in the show notes of this podcast. You can find it on Twitter as well from us. Today's episode is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric Nissan Aria. And we're giving out Nissan's most electric player of the week. And again, it's brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Look, this week's Nissan Aria Most Electric Player of the Week, I'm just going to give it to Donovan Mitchell because this is just going to be a season award. I don't think like oh. us doing this ad read, isn't. there's no one worth doing it after this game. There is no one worth doing kind of anything for us coming out of this I mean, kind of game. There, there's not, Evan. There's not. That's who, I mean, technically who, who, speaking, who, who, game two did happen you gonna, this week. So Darius Garland would be your pick just because of game two. Yeah, but yeah, but what what just happened? The game we literally just watched was like just kind of wipes away any good vibes you have from that. So we're giving up, yeah, we're giving Donovan Mitchell a season award because he has been electric. He has delivered for the most part. He has been powerful, and for so much of the season, he has been like the everything and everything for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they're going to need him to be that in game four. 
the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. I want to thank you again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day, we're going to be back on Monday with an in-depth breakdown of Game 4, which has a 1 p.m. tip-off on Sunday. Remember, you can catch that on SiriusXM. Search the XXM app. Search Cavs in that app and do it. I'm going to have that episode right up after that game sometime that evening from producer Jake Stevens, and we'll dive into whatever that game entails for the Cleveland Cavaliers. All right, so to continue this idea, Evan, of no MVP. Hopefully, hopefully good. Look, I, I have, I just want something interesting that allows us to have this. This game, for all of its words, like does take us to interesting places. This pushes the Cavs into really weird places, and like in the sense of the the no MVP thing for this game, you needed, like this was a game where honestly, like I think it's fair to look at Donovan Mitchell and like wonder where there why there wasn't more for Mitchell, why there wasn't. Uh, more of a taker effect. I Garland was bad in a way that I I and he's had a couple. He's had two games Awful. this series now that Mitchell, that are just, Mitchell was bad too. Yeah, but like Gar like so Garland, he has two, had two games in the series now that I cannot believe some of the. I've never seen him kind of play in the way he has in two of these playoff games. I, that it has been bizarre. Mitchell was nine and nineteen, two of eight from three, two of three from the free throw line, five assists, six turnovers, twenty two points. He was passive to me for a lot of this game. He got beat defensively a couple times. And like mm-hmm. maybe at a certain point, he's just like, look, we're going to lose. Is it worth expelling a ton of energy to mount like a, a feeble comeback? Because it, there were stretches where the Cavs would get with a nine, get with an eight, and then the Knicks would hit like a three, and then it's back up to 11 or 12. And it's like, oh, they're just never coming back. They were kept at arm's distance the entire second half after the first half was just like a bludgeoning for the most part. It got really ugly bludgeoning, but a bludgeoning. Mitchell was not like nearly the guy that we've seen this year that has put the team on its back, put the team in his, on his, the, the carried the burden of whatever he had to do. That was not the guy you got here. And that's, that's it. If you, if you, if you're going to get this Garland game, you needed that Mitchell and then you didn't get it. You're not going to win. If you don't have either of those guys kind of playing the way they did, they need to. I, I agree. Um, I'm going to save my MVP pick for the end. Cause I need there, a little bit of a runway to explain it, but no, just do it now. There's no. The, I mean, the, I don't know Cavs, how you have an MVP pick. How do you okay. have an MVP pick? The MVP for this game on Friday night are the Cleveland Cavaliers because they were so bad that they allowed families to become closer together. This game became so lopsided early in this one. I'm sure many folks turned this game off and thought, you know what? Let's have a family movie night. Let's make some Jiffy Pop. Maybe we'll do get some pizzas. We'll get some pop. Just have a nice night together as a family. And, you know, you have to commend um, the Cavs for doing that, whether it's all of Donovan Mitchell's turnovers or Jared Allen shrinking under pressure against Mitchell Robinson. And I'm sure post-game, when Donovan Mitchell's asked about it, he'll say, yeah, we'll be fine, we'll be fine. But he'll be thinking, dang. I'm so glad I was able to bring some families together this evening because they decided to watch whatever's on Disney Plus or Netflix instead of this dreadful, dreadful basketball game. So that's that, you know, tip my cap to them. That is my MVP of the evening tonight, folks. I know you're doing a bit, but there's zero percent chance any of them are thinking that. All right. Stat of the night. Uh, the Knicks seven had two points per possession off of steals. Did they killed the Cavs off Oof, of turnovers? Twenty five points over turnovers. Yeah, I went to the so I looked at the, the turnover numbers and I went to the cleaning the glass box score. And the Knicks had an offensive rating of 200 off of steals. 
um, which mm-hmm. is obscene. That is like literally like every time you get a steal, you're getting you're you're getting a bucket. You are that like when you are not only getting the turning the ball over the way the Cavs did, not only like having just the raw number of points, but when you literally are not doing anything to stop them in transition, you you kind of they're asking mm-hmm. to lose like this and and lose by twenty points in a playoff game. What's your stat? Uh. My stat is just the fact that Cleveland held New York to 11 offensive rebounds. Like, you could tell at least the Cavs understood, hey, I don't know how much they could tell just because of the chaos of just how the first quarter and even the second quarter, just in terms of just no one making shots unfolded. But Cleveland certainly limited New York on the offensive glass and just kind of didn't let the Knicks take advantage of second chance opportunities. But unfortunately, to your point, like... New York scored two points off every turnover, like per turnover. Like that's, that's, that, that stat is just, that is the crystallization of what went wrong today is the Cavs were just super careless with the basketball and New York took advantage of it. Definitely rode the momentum and the energy of their home crowd for sure. But they set themselves up nicely to begin with. They didn't need the home crowd or the energy with it. Like it's, it's staggering um this is probably the worst the Cavs have ever played this season and like there there have been a few stinkers this year overall i i think considering the stage i think considering the stakes i think this is the worst Cavs performance they've had the entire you could look at that warriors game and be like you know they yeah, lost to that, a team that's that rested the one people. that i kind of thought of i'm like yeah that's the game i'm just like that was pretty dreadful too but th- this one was it, it was I, I knew it like at halftime I'm like this game's over man like the the Cavs have no dog in this fight and the Knicks will just like are more than content with just playing really ugly basketball and just letting somebody just take over for them well like they were effective like they they were getting to their spots they were doing the the brunts and stuff like everything was like very purposeful and the Cavs just sort of wasn't all right so I have two plays of the night they're both like I think well, emblematic yeah. of of the night seven thirteen third quarter you have a really good Isaac Okor defense plan, Jalen Brunson. And then he just like didn't have any composure trying to take it the other way. He gets called for a travel. This was jitters. I, I've seen a couple of the clips of Bicker's mm-hmm. half post game. He talked about nerves. You could tell this team was nervous as all heck and like that affected them. And that, that has to go away by game four or you're going down three, one and you're probably getting limited in the first round at that point. I, that play felt emblematic to me. And then and later in the game in the fourth, Darius Carlin gets a steal does a really good job to defend Brunson after he gets pushed back. He pushes the ball. He gets right to the rim and he misses. And then he goes out of bounds and like lands like and steps on the ankle of like a videographer or photographer on the baseline. And like, it's clearly like the ankle clue is bothering him for a little bit. I don't know what that we don't know at this time. Like if there's any like mm-hmm. severity that he played through discomfort the rest of the game, whatever. But like, again, this is just emblematic. It's like you make these good defensive plays. They had a couple good moments of this. And then you, don't capitalize and that happens over and over and over and over again that's how you lose by 20 do you have a play yeah i mean there's like a a nice play i notice where i'm thinking the the jitters and the nerves are taking effect maybe for both these teams especially just with how bad the first quarter was i believe Evan Mobley either stole the ball or grabbed an offensive rebound, one of the two, and 
it was off of a Garland miss. It was an offensive rebound by um, Mobley. And he saw the defense collapsing on him, and he had like a quick touch pass as soon as he had the rebound and just like flipped it to Garland real quick, and Garland got an easy layup. I'm like, yeah, that that's that's a nice play. But other than that, maybe just Garland hitting that three-pointer after just a little bit of the uncertainty and the scare that came with that ankle sprain is a little encouraging, I yeah, guess. But like, and you're like, but, okay. Yeah, but like... what? It, he, the, hit, the, he hit a the, shot. That's great, but... Woo. It's just... Evan, that shot... That shot is the participation trophy of, of awards. That's just literally just like you get a ribbon because you showed up. That's what that shot is. Well, some states are trying to ban those, so it's okay. Either way, um, there weren't a lot of positives from this game. Just overall, like no, we shouldn't. Yeah, again, we shouldn't. I'm, act I'm like very to be. curious to see how this Cavs team. I, I, I just feel I, I'm curious to see how this Cavs team responds uh, heading into Sunday. Like, do they show up and? play like their season is on the line because it is or do they lay down and just say you know what cancun on three guys one two three ad break thanks for making locked on Cavs your first listen every day every day or remember on monday we'll have a recap up of game four and we will see what that game entails before the series one way or the Jeez other comes peace. back to, to cleveland for game five that game four <sighs> is the biggest game that any of these guys that are not named Donovan Mitchell have played in their entire lives. It's the biggest game J.B. Bickerstaff has ever coached in his entire life. That is a high-stakes basketball game that Cleveland needs to win. Their back is up against the wall. And if they were nervous for game three, after they came off the performance they had in game two, you better hope that if you're them, you better mm-hmm. figure that out by Sunday. Because if you play like the way you did in this one, you're going down 3-1 and you're, you're probably going home sooner rather than later. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Maybe the Cavs should take some notes there. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to be just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check and and you'll know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, Confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Just like the right parts, get the right parts, get the right fit, and the right price at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, last segment here on Lockdown Cab. So, Evan, let's look ahead to game four a little bit because I just, like, I, I like there's nothing, like, game three was dreadful. If you're Cleveland, you have to men and black yourself and just blot that out. Like, there's nothing else you can do. You have to forget that that happened. Yeah. You have to have short-term memory. I, I, if I'm looking ahead to game four, the number one thing that I think I'm looking at is, is Donovan Mitchell. You need a ton more from him. You need what he did in the bubble and dueling against Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell. We have seen Mitchell this year, Evan, over and over again, put the Cavs on his back and drag them to places. I think about that Bulls game where he scored 71. He didn't just like score 71 because he was hot. Like, yes, he got going, but that was a grimy 71. That was a, hey, like, we don't have Darius tonight. 
I'm going to mm-hmm. like miss a free throw and get the rebound and commit a lane violation that they didn't call and do all this stuff to pull out a win um, and out of nothing. Like that's what he did in that game. That light has I, to come I, on from the get go for them to win this call game. That, uh, I agree, but I wouldn't call that 71 grimy. I just feel like that's Donovan Mitchell like at his absolute apex because he's just so hardwired to help a team win. And like that's that's the most absurd thing. Like this is the worst I've seen of Donovan Mitchell this season. Like like you said, it seemed like he checked out a little bit and he was super careless with the basketball. If you sure if you look at the counting stats, he has twenty two points, seven rebounds, five assists. You're like, oh, that's a great game, but the six turnovers killed the Cavs in this game and Donovan, I mean, like the their first game in Madison Square Garden, I remember after because I was in Salt Lake City for Mitchell's return to face the Jazz for the first time. He said his first game in Madison Square Garden was more nerve wracking for him than it was returning to Salt Lake City because like the expectation was going into that, like he was going to be a Nick uh, last offseason. So like he was just more nervous just because of the pressure of the situation and just like the uncertainty of it all. But this was this was a bad game for Mitchell. I mean, yeah, bad game for Garland. Like, bad game across the board. Like, Osmond wasn't great. Isaac Okoro was, like, the most productive bench player for the Cavs. He was the most productive bench player for the Cavs, other than Robin Lopez is the only one who scored a bucket. And it's just... Uh, I don't... I, I'm going to ask you this. I want to give you the floor. Yeah. Neither of us are on the coaching staff, but what adjustments would you make for game four because you and I are at least in agreement that the season is on the line. If Cleveland loses this game at some point, New York is either going to wrap it up in five or just finish the job in six at the garden. I, the first thing I'm doing is I'm starting Isaac Okoro. I understand there's some real offensive concerns there, but I believe in the rhythm factor. I believe in, in the fact that like you had something figured out where like and I think you overthought it. So I'm going back to Corey, even if he spot starts, even if he plays twelve minutes, I'm just gonna start him. I'm gonna have him defend Brunson. I'm gonna maybe have Mitchell do some of this stuff. And then I'm also just gonna be like Donovan. You know, like at times like I think you can get a little too you can get a little too siloed and like shot hunt. If there's ever a game I want Donovan Mitchell to shot hunt and try to get in a rhythm and get hot, it is Sunday. I wanna run pick and roll with him from the get go. I want to run him off of screens. I want to use guard screens to get him switches onto Brunson. And I'm attacking that early. You have to treat this like a, like a must-win game. You, you, like, you absolutely need to. And you have to win one. Like, this is the game you need to win on the road because you lost home court in game one. That's where I'm starting. You, you I'm starting have Okoro. to steal one yeah. in New York. I, look, I'm starting, so I'm starting Okoro. And I'm putting the ball in Mitchell's hands. And I'm saying, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to attack Jalen Brunson. We're going to, you know, if you're going to put Brunson on Garland, if they go that right anyway, I'm running Darius Garland, Jared Allen. I'm running Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, pick and roll. And I'm, you have to, like, get those guys more shots, even if it's mm-hmm. against Mitchell Robinson, who's been better than, than Allen this entire series. That's one of the other things. The other thing that I'm doing if I'm Cleveland, and this is, like, a smaller thing, but it's something that I think has cost them in this series, is Allen, on the, when they're running pick and roll, is coming up to help the guard. To, uh, like closer to the level mm-hmm. and it is leaving usually Mitchell Robinson but also as a Hardenstein if he's on the floor they're leaving these little pockets in the back end for them to just catch little <clears> passes <throat> and get dunks I understand mm-hmm. you were scared of Jalen Brunson getting in the lane hitting a runner hitting a floater but I think you need to trust who is defending him that stay at least stay in front of him and make Brunson hit the harder shot and not give away these dunks at the rim that is so those are the couple things that I'm doing 
but it all starts with Mitchell. This is all the pressure is on the world for the Cavs on Sunday. All of it. Mitchell is the face of this team. He's the best player on this team. This is the big, he's the only guy on this roster that has played in a game of nearly this magnitude. This is about him on Sunday. It absolutely is. I agree with all those points. Um, it's hard because I, again, I understand the optics behind starting Karis the verb just, but again, you and I talked about this at after game two, like why try to overcorrect um, an issue here that just doesn't exist. But there's, I, I agree with your Allen point wholeheartedly. Like you need him to kind of just maintain his position as that elite paint protector and rim protector that he is for you and just kind of stymie the production Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein who's been killer for the Knicks off the bench in this series like just stymie his production as well and maybe just allow Evan Mobley to do maybe more Evan Mobley stuff whether it's defending in space or just being a help defender or just kind of playing off of Allen in that regard but another small-ish thing is you got to stop putting Jetty Osmond one-on-one or allowing at least the Knicks to put Jetty Osmond one-on-one against Jalen Brunson. Like I watched Jetty get cooked alive in this game, similarly to game one down the stretch where I watched Jetty get cooked alive down the stretch. And maybe you just work with the hot hand approach. You let Levert come off the bench. Um, but you like your rotation of the three more or less, just like for 20, 2020 is between Okoro, Osmond and green. And obviously, if Levert has it going, you let him finish the game with whoever else just has it going. And you work with that. Or I, I, one thing I did notice just in this game is Cleveland tried to, whether it's just the anxiousness and the nerves, but like Cleveland tried to match New York in pace a lot in this game. And just the way the Cavs operate, and I believe it was Van Gundy and maybe Jackson who was noting it too, but like Evan Mobley was playing super slow. And if the Cavs are trying to force the Knicks to grind it out, they're not going to get that. Like the Knicks are more than comfortable just moving fast and just outspeeding the Cavs quite a bit. And they write off a lot of that momentum from it. If Cleveland wants to go small, maybe they explore lineups with like Mitchell Garland, like Danny Green plays well at like the forward spot minutes and such. And then like you rotate in Jetty Osmer carries the verd as well. And just like play one of Allen or Mobley at the five. And, it's it's tough. Um, I had the mindset going into this game. Whoever wins this game ends up winning the series, and we'll obviously see how Sunday goes. But this is this was quite a bigger punch than I expected from the Knicks, and more than that, just the lack of the response from the Cavs was kind of shocking for me. Just because I've watched so much of this team this season, and like. Even in game one, when they were getting out physical and out hustled by the Knicks, like they still were competitive down the stretch, at least enough. They took the lead for a brief moment, but then watched it go evaporate. But there was nothing similar to game one compared to game three in this situation with the Cavs. And it, it was just kind of just frustrating to watch this sequence of events unfold. It's just as somebody who's literally watched every game this season and has covered them pretty up close. Like it just felt really out of character for them. We're going to end there. Again, we'll be back every day or on Sunday talking about game four. want to remind you again that Cav- that's at 1 p.m. on Sunday. It is a must-win game for Cleveland. You can catch every moment of the Cavs' hometown broadcast with the Series XM on the Series with Series XM on the XXM app. Search Cavs in the app. And want to thank you again for making Lockdown Cavs 
your first listener today, back on Monday slash Sunday, breaking down game four. We'll see what that entails. It is a massive must-win game. All of that. Yep. Hopefully, hopefully it's a lot more positive on um, Sunday or Monday's episode of this show. But I mean, I don't look. I don't care if it's positive or not. The results are the results. We're gonna call spade a spade. It's what it is. uh, Yes, we'll call a spade a spade. But let me ask you this: as we wrap up this episode and Game Three is wrapped up, um, what is your prediction overall for this series? For the remainder of it, I don't. I'm. I don't believe that I change opinion. So my pick was Cavs and seven. I just stick with Cavs and seven. But is my optimism in that lower? Yeah. Do I feel as confident in that pick? Not at all. I. I don't think there's the Cavs absolutely could lose a series. I thought that going in. I thought all you crazy people out there saying Cavs and five mm-hmm. were like very much overlooking how good the Knicks are. I still like. I'm not going to change my pick because I just like I made the pick. That is what it is. Like we're all wrong all the time. But I, what I do, I feel yeah. as positive that's going to happen. It's just nope, nope, nope. Uh, neither do I. So my pick was Cavs and six. I'm leaning towards Knicks and six right now. But if Sunday, at least the Cavs respond well, maybe my tone changes a little bit. But my faith in the Cavs closing out the series is a little shaky right now. Been there. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Sunday slash Monday.